Well, uh, we are in the season of Lent uh, a couple weeks ago, and we're leading up to Easter, and we are learning five ways to love our neighbors using the acronym BLESS. And uh, BLESS stands for these things you see here on the floor behind me as well as on the screen. So let's say those together, shall we? Begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve in love, share your story. Now, these are ways that we build all kinds of relationships. But in BLESS, we are, look, we are focusing particularly on uh, how we are building relationships with those who may be living far from God, who may not yet know Jesus, and who, or who may not be active in a church. And I use the word may because we don't have a telescope or a microscope into people's souls. You know, only God can know the details of that. But they may be this. And, and also, the reason I say may be living far from God is because that may be the direction of their lives. They may be far from God, but it doesn't mean God is far from them, right? So, uh, anyway, bless, I believe, this series may be the most challenging series I've ever given in all my decades as a pastor because it calls us to adapt our behavior long term. Change is hard. But we also know that change is necessary. Because as, as, as people who say that we're disciples of Jesus, well, we know that that means we're always changing. He's always leading us forward, right? Bless is about following Jesus and relating to people the way that he did. Now, next Sunday is going to be our last Sunday in this series. And I guarantee that you won't be up and running full strength on Bless by next Sunday. Uh, matter of fact, some of you say, you know, I haven't even backed out of the garage yet, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm still sort of just going to, you know, tread in water and trying to figure out what's happening. So, and I say that's okay because Bless relationships take time. It's true. Let's say that together, shall we? Bless relationships take time. It takes time to enlarge your world. For example, I know a woman who uh, just this year, she uh, wanted to enlarge her world, and so she joined a neighborhood book club. Uh, and she's decided that, that as part of that, you know, she's gone a few times now, and this month, she's going to invite one of the women in her book club to just go out for coffee or lunch sometime. And that's her commitment to enlarge her world. Now, I will tell you, if this whole idea of building blessed relationships makes you feel really freaked out and uncomfortable, you know, I get that. It's, it's understandable. I imagine that Jesus' followers probably didn't feel comfortable when he told them, okay, now uh, your next thing is you're going to have to leave Jerusalem and go to all nations of the world and help people become disciples. They didn't want to go. They didn't want to leave Jerusalem. They wanted to stay home and eat donuts, right? But God has a plan for this world, and our comfort is not his primary goal. Is that fair to say? God has a plan for this world, and our comfort is not his primary goal. He's not afraid to make us a little uncomfortable along the way. 
And if building, if building blessed relationships seems like, oh, this is way too much pressure, then I would say, okay, uh, I don't mean for you to feel a lot of pressure, so let's try this. Ask yourself, what would it look like for you to bless people with all the pressure removed? With whatever pressure you might be feeling from me or the material or from your group, just, just throw it out. Kick it off on the curb and bless people freely. Uh, because you see, the way, the way I see it, bless is, is meant to be an adventure. It's an adventurous way to be a disciple of Jesus. And I think, you know, the more we get into it, the more exciting it, be it becomes. Um, if you are a parent who has grown kids, semi-grown kids, whatever, and uh, they have strayed from faith or church, they're probably the first ones you want to pray for, Right? I know what that's like. And, and I hope that whatever the age of your kids, if you're a parent, that you pray for your kids every day. But here's the deal. I also don't want to limit my blessed relationships to my children. Because God may use someone else in their life more than he'll use me. And God may use me in someone else's life more than he'll use me in my kids' lives. That's why I don't want us to, to limit our blessed relationships to just our kids. Today we're going to focus on the first S in bless, which is to serve in love. So let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Uh, we're going to look at part of the, the passage that we heard just a minute ago. Uh, we're going to look at verses 25 through 27, uh, page 1057 in the Pew Bible and if you uh, wish you had a readable Bible at home and you don't, then today let's fix that. Just take that pew Bible home, tuck it under your arm. Head it. We'd just love to see that. We'll, we'll put another one in. So there'll be one there for next Sunday. Um, and if you're wondering, okay, I've got this big old Bible. Where would I start reading? Well, today we're reading in this biography about Jesus written by Luke. Try that. Start at chapter 1 of Luke, and, and I think it would be a, a perfect place to begin. Now, earlier in chapter 22, Jesus has just shared a meal with his disciples, demonstrating through the bread and the wine that his body will be broken and his blood will be spilled. His death will inaugurate a new agreement, a new covenant between God and people. And then Jesus announces that one of his disciples will betray him. And they're all looking around the table. I wonder who it is. And that sets in motion, as we see in, in verse 24, an argument over which one of them could never do such a thing like that because they are the greatest, the best disciple. And I can imagine, imagine Simon Peter uh, kind of starting off by bragging, well, Obviously, I'm the best disciple. I mean, which one of you guys ever walked on water? And then his brother Andrew pipes up, yeah, and then you sank like a rock. Besides, don't forget who it was that I was the one who introduced you to Jesus in the first place. And then Nathaniel says, yeah, but Jesus says, I was an Israelite without deceit. Beat that. Well, brothers James and John, they, they answer back, 
hey, remember, Jesus calls us the sons of thunder, probably because we have such great leadership potential. And then Matthew boasts, guys, obviously, I'm Jesus' greatest achievement. He turned me from a cheating tax collector to an honorable disciple. Someday I'm even going to write a book about him. Jesus says, guys, 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 you're acting like, like people who don't even know God. So let's go to verse 25 in the first part of 26. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise uh, authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Let's say that last sentence together, shall we? But you are not to be like that. And now notice twice when Jesus is talking to him, he uses, he uses the word over though, twice here. Uh, the, the Gentile kings, he says, lord it over them, exercise authority over them. And in the Greek, the, the word over is emphasized uh, like, I'm above you. I'm over you. And don't forget it. Jesus said that is the exact opposite of the way disciples are supposed to be. So let's pick up where we left off in verse 26. Jesus said, instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. You know, the, the biggest problem that I see with a lot of Christians today is acting like, yeah, they're better than everybody else. You know, besides, I'm a Christian and you're not, so that means I'm right and you're wrong. Sorry about that, but <laughs> and, and obviously uh, that means that I'm smarter than you and I'm a better person than you and, if I may say, I'm much more humble than you. That's what Jesus says we are supposed to exactly not do. Acting like we are over others. He said with disciples, the greatest should, all, should be like the youngest. Now, you know, with my, me and my, my three younger brothers, I mean, kind of being the youngest is a good thing. You know, like, yeah, I'm younger than you. But, but in those days, being the youngest was not an honor. It meant that you were at the bottom. Be, being the youngest meant you got, you had to do the worst chores, duties that Nobody else wanted to do, so you got, had to do them. Jesus says being a disciple means we don't play by those rules anymore. Instead of pointing out a person's faults, we focus on their good qualities. Instead of trying to be right, we try to be a friend. Instead of being bossy, we aim to serve. And then at the end of verse 27, Jesus says, I am among you as one who serves. That's a great motto for us, isn't it? Wherever we go, let's say it together. I am among you as one who serves. <clears throat> Blessed relationships mean that we serve in love. I like the story in our Blessed Guidebook, and I know a lot of you have those. We have more in the, at the uh, Connection Center, by the way. But there's a story in the introduction no, I guess it was in, in, this, uh, last week's in this week's lesson about how there were some Christians uh, who 
you know, seemed seem to have an amazing way to build relationships with their neighbors. And, and somebody asked them about that and said, well, how do you do that? And they said, we borrow things. One woman said, my husband and I intentionally do not purchase everything we need to run our home. Instead of buying an extension ladder or an electric drill, we borrow from our neighbors. Why? Because borrowing leads to spending time together, thanking them, and then this continued swapping of services and doing projects as neighbors. And one of the ways that they thank them is by inviting them over for dinner. And then while they're having dinner, they ask, well, you got any projects planned at your house? And then if they do, they offer to help. And, and this leads to more conversations and deeper conversations. And they, and they keep praying to God, Lord, keep guiding us in, the, in these relationships. And then while they, when, they, when they're with them, they ask good questions. They, be, they try to be good listeners. And then this leads to more opportunities to serve. This morning, I want to give you five suggestions on how you might serve in love. And so, if you want to write these down on the back of your bulletin, there's a little, some lines there for doing that. Uh, take these home. First, serve by doing what you're good at. If you love making brownies and you've got a killer recipe, then bring them over to my house. Well, wait, that, that, that was what I meant to say. I mean, take a plate over to your new coworker. Hey, I just brought these for you. I want to welcome you and, and to, our, to our staff. Uh, if you are handy with drywall and you know that your cousin's got a project going on, well, just show up and spend the Saturday at his house or her house. Second, serve according to what they need. So let's say that there's a family in your kid's soccer team and they've got a flooded basement. It's a mess. Well, you don't need a whole lot of skill to push them off or to run a shop back. You just show up and do what you can, and I promise what you do will never be forgotten. Third, ask for a favor. You know, the longest one-on-one -on -one conversation that we have in the Bible of Jesus is with the woman in Samaria. And how did that start? Do you remember? Jesus was sitting at a well. He had been walking all morning. He was he was thirsty, and I think there was like there was a rope there, but he didn't have a jar to put on the rope to draw water. So he's just sitting there. You know, now what am I going to do? Well, a little bit later, a woman comes to draw water. She's got her jar, and Jesus said, Jesus asked her, will you give me a drink? Uh... Well, she was, she was shocked. I mean, no Jew she'd ever met would have anything to do with Samaritans, let alone drink out of their container. But Jesus did. He asked her for a favor. And that's how this conversation began. Sometimes the best way to serve someone is to let them serve you. Don't always be the one in charge. Don't always be the one who is the valiant one. Say yes to their hospitality. Accept their generosity. Ask for help. You know, after we had been in Omaha just a short time, uh, we decided to get rid of our old monstrous entertainment center. You know what those are like? Like from here over to here, you know, just gigantic thing. 
And uh, we were donating it to some organization, said, yeah, we'll pick it up as long as you just have it on your driveway. How am I going to get it on my driveway? So I asked my next-door neighbor that I really didn't know very well at all if he would help me. And um, so we, we came down to our basement, and we, we were able to get it out, the, the sliding walkout basement door. And then we put it on a dolly, and we pushed it up the hill to the front of our house. And, you know, it probably took all of 10 or 15 minutes. But after that, I found that it was a little easier for him and me to talk. Just that little bit of, just that little bit of connection, that little bit of manly bonding. I don't know what it was. Fourth, serve together. Now, none of the people that I am seeking to have blessed relationships with go to church. Um, but one of them is willing to go with me when the church serves. When there is a service project, something that we're doing, sometimes he'll go with me. He likes that kind of thing. So sometimes serving together is a great opportunity. And then I've got one more. Serve by doing what few will do. Um, I was a, a guest at one of our faith groups this week, and uh, one couple shared a story, and they, they said it was okay for me to tell it to you. Years ago, uh, their neighbors took off for vacation, and then their car came back. They, they noticed their car driving back later that same day. What happened? Oh, car trouble, and then we decided, you know, this car just isn't reliable enough to, to, for this trip. We're just going to have to come home. Well, well, we'll take our car. I mean, it's only a couple years old. I'm sure it'll be fine uh, on your trip. It, it should get you there fine and, and, and back. And so the neighbors took off on vacation in their car. Loaning your car to your neighbors may or may not seem like a big deal to you, but I guarantee it's a big deal to them. Serve by doing what few will do. I'd like to invite up Jen and Chris Robinson. Uh, a lot of you have met Jen. She is our director of guest connection. You know, we came up with that job title just for you, Jen. <laughs> and uh, some of you have met Chris, her husband. I'm the uh, one with the accent. Yeah, he, he's, the only, he's the only Brit talking guy that we've got here. And, uh, um, and they also are, they have their kids, Alex and Connor. We've kind of got to get, gotten to know them a little bit too. They, they moved here from Minnesota when Jen, after Jen took this uh, position. So um, anyway, I know that you have found a place to live in Gretna. Way to go. And uh, tell us what, what's like in, in your new neighborhood and relationships there. What have you found? Um, well, moving from Minnesota, the neighborhood that we came from was um, exceptional. I've been in a lot of different neighborhoods, and um, the community there was very, very supportive of each other. So when we came here, we first wanted to look for um, a house that had fewer stairs. <laughs> okay. And then um, a neighborhood that looked like something could develop that way. Right. So after looking at many homes and doing some praying, um, we found a house that we liked the layout and the view and 
just by chance, we happened to meet the homeowner, and she started talking about her neighbors. And we looked at each other, and we went, this is probably it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that's the one we moved into, and um, we've had a chance to meet several of the neighbors so far. Yeah. So you, you, you uh, seem to have really sort of bonded really well in that neighborhood already. Uh, but I know that you're, you're, like you said, your neighborhood back in Minnesota was really important. And there was, how, how did all of this serving and in, in neighborhood uh, activity happen there in Minnesota? Uh, Chris, what was your? When I first moved to Minnesota, um, I had a young wife and a newly born son and my daughter. We were really quite young. And back in Minnesota in 2008, we were hit by a tornado. And that tornado, uh, I was driving with my son and my daughter, and I was on the phone with my wife, uh, my late wife, who was describing what was going on, and I told her to go to the basement. And you could actually see, because I wasn't too far away, what was going on. And then when I got to my neighborhood, um, the everything was literally flattened. We lived on the street from new construction. There were three houses. Uh, mine was in the middle, and we had two either side. And the rest of around me, behind my neighborhood, was all flattened. And everything, uh, everyone was then sent to the school to regroup and try and sort out what was going on with the neighborhood. And at that time, my wife was sick with cancer, and she was on oxygen. So I had to take my son and my daughter to school, met a couple of my neighbors because it was so small, um, <coughs> asked them to look after Alex and Connor at that time, and they did. So I could go back into my house that still had power on because my wife had oxygen. Um, I was stopped by the sheriff, told him the story, and I was allowed back into the house. And um, We then went and picked up my son and my daughter, and we got back into the house. And <coughs> once the tornado had finished, we started clearing up. There were new bills, new construction and everything. And I would go dumpster diving for all the lumber from timber that was um, being collected. Both of my neighbors had lost their garage, so I was building shelves in my garage so I could help them store stuff while their houses were being rebuilt. <coughs> and this carried on as new sort of like, uh, houses were being built. I would go around and I would build shelves in people's garages mm. because uh, in winter in Minnesota would get really cold and we would try and keep everything off the floor. <coughs> and then um, as my wife got sicker, um, they would help me by looking after my children while I traveled to New York, traveled to Texas for treatments for my late wife. And then they would bring over food, they would look after my children. When we moved to our new neighborhood in Gretna, we met some neighbors who at that time weren't married and they were having issues with sickness and they had hospital appointments. So we would make food for them and we would take it over next door and they were just amazed at the generosity that we would give and the fact that we weren't always of the same religion. I mean, Jen's her religion, I have mine. And with our new neighbors, we are still coming together. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's really powerful, especially, 
you know, you were kind of giving and receiving, you know, in, in Minnesota as well. Um, and now that, now that you've moved here, what, what, how's all that looked here? It's pretty much the same. I mean, sort of, we have neighbors that are coming to us and we are helping neighbors. I'm repairing microwaves or refitting microwaves, still building shelves in garages. Um, but also I'm still in touch with my old neighborhood. I'm getting texts, social media, and my late, um, uh, my neighbor next door, his wife was going through cancer and he has two young daughters too. So he knows what I went through and his strength, he says he's getting from what I went through. And we were fortunate enough to travel back to Minnesota a couple of weeks ago and say goodbye to his, uh, Mariella, his wife, who died, unfortunately, uh, a short time ago. And th the people that we sold my house to heard that I was back in the neighborhood, didn't know what was going on next door, heard I was in the neighborhood, and had to come next door and say she needed to help. And she's been helping them with food mm -hmm. and... Yeah. Um, tell me about, you know, now in your neighborhood in Gretna and you've been kind of serving one or other, where's all this leading and how's that sort of building relationships? Uh, what are your uh, we haven't been there quite a year yet and I happen to have a neighbor who knows a lot of what's going on in the neighborhood and I got to thinking one, you know, she's well, your source right she's my source yeah <laughs> and if I connect with the other one I've got even more information so yeah um, we're learning uh, who people are and you know hearing different things and it's just kind of in that vision of community and building relationships and serving each other that an idea has sort of um, been formulating in my brain about getting the women together and just saying we all kind of know each other so let's just kind of care for each other and let's do some random acts of kindness and let's come around those people who have something going on like the neighbor whose father had a stroke or we have another neighbor who's pregnant or you know those kinds of things where we can just serve each other in love. Yeah. Well, that that's uh, um, that's great to hear. I'm really um, I'm really impressed and amazed by how well you've sort of integrated so quickly into that neighborhood. Well, it helps with the accent. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that I have a lot of tools. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So you you're the one everybody wants to borrow from, huh? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you know, I would just love to, to pray for us and you also in this, in this ministry of serving. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are so good to us. Um, and you, you put us around people. People are so interesting, fascinating. And uh, Lord, we, we want to be your servants wherever we go. But sometimes we just don't know how, so please show us open doors, open relationships, help us to think of opportunities, to spot them when they, are, when they come our way. Help us to have a little courage to, to branch out. To, and Lord, uh, so we, we can be your servants. And Lord, we especially ask you to bless uh, Chris and Jen in their neighborhood, that, uh, that all of these relationships that are starting to build and blossom, that they will, um, that God, you'll be at work in it. You will be at work in, in lives and hearts in ways we couldn't plan or anticipate. 
but it'll be good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. All right, thank you. Well, I want to close with a story, um, and it was in the introduction of your guidebook, but I'd heard it before as well. It was a, a case study about 12 mission teams that went to Thailand. And these 12 mission teams were using a model called business as, as mission. And they were Christian teams, but what, they, what, what this model was, that they would go to Thailand and they would set up a business and then also in that way that they would, they would bring Christ because they are Christians uh, into that country. And, and in the case study, they identified that half of the team, six of them, uh, their main focus was to really bless the people and to provide, uh, to, to build up the economy, to increase people's income, just to kind of provide for the, for the welfare of the communities that they lived in. And in the case study, they called those six teams the blessers. And then there were six other teams that came, and their main agenda was really just conversion, bringing people to Christ, and really starting a business was just the excuse to get into the country. Um, so anyway, after a specified number of years in the same uh, time frame for both of them, they, they looked at them, and of course the, the blessers group uh, of teams, they had done more to... Uh, you know, build the economy, provide jobs for people, elevate their income, than the converters teams. But there was one other big, big difference. The converters teams, after that t same period of time, there were two people who had come and given their lives to Christ. In the blesser teams, there were 96 people who had given their lives to Christ. And why was that? Well, the, the case study proposed that it was because the blessers built deep relationships with people. You know, they were really invested in their communities. They cared about the people and their lives. And the people knew that. They could tell that. And so that when there were opportunities to talk about their faith in Christ, they, they could do that authentically when it was appropriate and people listened. People were interested. They were hungry for that. And that led them to, to take their beginning steps of faith and to learn more about Jesus. And uh, I just want to say that it's a lot the same with us. When we bless people, when we make that a habit, we, when we make that our lifestyle consistently, people listen. Uh, during this series, we've been handing out blessed packets, and we're not going to hand them out today. We've done it the last four Sundays, but I think we've got more out at the Connection Center, which is near the elevator. So you can pick one up. But in the, in the one that says uh, serving in love, I want to just share with you what it says on the front. Perhaps the most powerful way to bless others is by serving them. Jesus' ministry was characterized by service, and he showed the full extent of his love to his disciples by serving them. We, too, 
can have a profound impact through service. As you listen deeply and build community with others, you will discover meaningful opportunities to serve them. As we freely and joyfully serve others, they will begin to experience the love of Jesus in tangible ways. God longs to love others through you. If you have your blessed packet, you could flip it over and there's some space on there in the, at the bottom for brainstorming about how might you, maybe some people you know specifically, how might you bless them by serving in love? So I'm going to give you a minute to do that. If you don't have the blessed packet, that's fine. Just maybe use the back of your bulletin and just jot down. There's some pens down below you, if, you don't, if you need one. And uh, I'm going to ask, uh, George, would you uh, come on up and, and just uh, noodle around on the keys for a little bit? Just during this minute, just kind of let God guide you, let your mind flow. Some practical things you could do to serve someone you know, to serve them in love. So take a minute. See if you can come up with one or two things. Well, hopefully uh, you've gotten a little start. Maybe you've got an item or two written down, and maybe you want to just continue the list, uh, you know, throughout the day, throughout the week. Just keep thinking, God, how could I serve someone in love, especially someone who may be living far from God, who may not yet know Jesus, who may not be currently connected to a church? What if by serving someone in love, they end up taking a step closer to Christ. What if by serving someone in love, they end up taking a step closer to Christ? Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we are here for you and uh, so thankful that you are here for us. So good to, to meet you here and to listen to you and to, to hear your word. Jesus, you, it's amazing this, the stuff that you did and said and taught us and all that you did for us. 
in laying down your life, you served us in the biggest, most powerful way possible. And so, Lord, help us to have a relationship with you that is deep and is, is growing, is, is uh, constantly changing us and moving us forward. And, Lord, show us how we can be like you, have relationships like you did in, in the way that we serve others. Help us to be the kind of people who show up wherever we are and say, I am here to serve. Jesus, uh, thank you for, for your presence among us, your promise to us to never give up on us. We pray in your name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing.